Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in Russian and Eurasian Studies, and I'm your host, Alia Breininger. Our guest speaker today is Rebecca Gold, author of Raiders and Rebels, The Literature of Insurgency in the Caucasus, which was published by Yale University Press in 2016. Rebecca is currently a reader. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in Russian and Eurasian Studies. And I'm your host, Alia Breininger. Our guest speaker today is Rebecca Gold, author of Raiders and Rebels, The Literature of Insurgency in the Caucasus, which was published by Yale University Press in 2016. Rebecca is currently a reader in Translation Studies and Comparative Literature at the University of Bristol, and today she will be talking about her pioneering work at the intersection of Slavic and Middle Eastern Studies. It is my huge pleasure to be talking today to Rebecca Gold, who is the author of Writers and Rebels, The Literature of Insurgency in the Caucasus. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Olga. How are you doing today? I'm great. So thank you for finding time to do this podcast interview. I'm really excited about it. And perhaps we could start by talking a little bit about your background, um, like scholarship, and what took you to the study of the literature of the Caucasus. Sure. Uh, and thank you so much for inviting me to this program. I um, would say that I, I began my life as a scholar or just as a, as a lover of literature um, with Dostoevsky, reading Dostoevsky uh, in translation when I was maybe 16, 17. And so naturally, uh, when I arrived at uh, Berkeley, um, I decided to major in Russian literature. And I spent a few years immersed in the Russian canon um, and really falling in love with, with the, these writers. Um, but this was also at the time when um, of one of the worst war, Chechen wars was taking place at the same time. And so I was really struck by the kind of um, dissonance between the world that I was reading about in literature and the, the world that was occurring outside the classroom. And also struck by the fact that, you know, I did, there didn't seem to be much kind of curricular resources to, to give me guidance in terms of understanding this conflict. And so when I graduated, um, uh, my, received my undergraduate degree, one of the first things I did was um, book a, a round trip ticket to a place I had never visited, uh, which was the well, the North Caucasus. I actually took a train um, to Vladikavkaz and then traveled through Nalchik and um, Dagestan, and even briefly into Chechnya um, under <laughs> under a, a big uh, jacket. So I was basically concealed from the police, but it was interesting. I stayed, stayed with the refugee family there, um, and and that. Absolutely. I mean, that experience really opened my eyes in multiple ways. Uh, not just, I mean, I think at the most maybe superficial level, it opened my eyes to kind of another side of the conflict. But even in a, in a deeper, more, more um, uh, historical sense, um, it opened my eyes to a kind of diversity of um, literatures and languages and cultures um, of people who, who had Russian as a lingua franca, but whose, whose lives and traditions and histories and sense of identity um, were defined by something that was quite different from anything that could be encompassed in, in the Russian language or the Russian tradition or anything in my undergraduate education. Um, and so I realized, like, this was a world that I had to be a part of. And so Russian was a kind of gateway to that. But I, 
it wasn't enough, right? I wanted to immerse myself in these 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 traditions. Um, so I applied for a grant um, to the American Councils, and I ended up living in Tbilisi for two years. Um, officially, the goal was to study Chechen, but I ended up becoming immersed in Georgian. I uh, was very privileged to have a very, very intensive immersion language experience and actually translated um, a book while I was there that was published several years later, um, a, a book of Georgian um, fiction uh, by the writer Alexander Kazbegi. Um, and also during, when I was there, um, the, well, that was the period when I was really introduced to the literatures of the Caucasus. So maybe I'll stop there. <laughs> well, that's a very exciting start to the interview. So let's talk uh, more about your time in the Caucasus. Um, I read that there have been eight years of field work, which went into the book. Is this so? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So could you <laughs> please tell, tell a little bit more or maybe much more about that? Sure. So, yes, it was an extraordinarily intense um, period where sort of just, I mean, I think once, you know, I came, I came to Tbilisi basically knowing Russian, not knowing any Georgian and or Chechen. Um, but somehow I think it was just because I was in this, like I had no other um, nothing else to do other than immerse myself in the culture. So I, I ended up kind of becoming a part of my environment very quickly and learning Georgian really quickly as well. And I traveled around a lot to the Penkisi Gorge as well as to the North Caucasus. And every day, I just remember sort of every day I would wake up and feel like, you know, I was exploring things that no one had seen before, at least no one, no one back in the United States, uh, things that had not been documented by scholarship. Um, and it was the most interesting well, I had so I had lots of conversations with, with local scholars and just sort of I mean, I was I was given the background of the Chechen wars. I was, of course, very interested in, in understanding how people related to Russian rule. Uh, but also, I think that not just in the contemporary moment, but historically, how do they see themselves historically in relationship to Russia? And so um, that was a kind of yeah question that I posed to everyone I met. And um, well, that that, that the, the answers to those questions or became my book. So, I mean, I, I can tell you about those answers, but maybe I'll turn it to you. Or you can ask me. Well, um, I'll, I'll ask you many more questions about this. Okay. But since you already gave us a segue into your books, mm -hmm. so perhaps we could talk about what sure. the main themes of the book are and yeah. uh, maybe also about your conceptual framework, which seems to be very like pioneering and innovative. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Okay. So now I'll get back to what the answers to, to my questions were. Uh, to the to very, I think mean, people I, I spoke with from, I think, significantly for the book from many different social demographics. So professors, um, villagers in Pankisi Gorge, um, just a range of students and so on. And there is one um, uh, figure, or I could say like a term in a sense, or just a, a, a phenomenon that was kind of constantly reiterated when people remember the history of resistance to Russian rule. And that was the abrek, or the bandit, um, is, is one very imprecise and imperfect way of trans, translating this term. And it is, of course, it is a Russian term, although many, many Russians may not know it, but it, it is a term that exists in the Russian language. Um, but it comes from the languages of the Caucasus. So um, every Caucasus language has their own version of, of this word. Um, and it's a sort of unifying, one of the many things that kind of unify the ethos of, of this culture. And it occurred again and again, people would talk about brechistva uh, and uh, banditry um, as a kind of way in which, um, as a response that was made to colonial rule. And also at the same time, I was immersing myself in um, major literary texts from, from Chechnya, from Georgia. Um, and this theme was occurring again and again and again. You have this, this bandit figure. 
And so I started to ask myself, you know, why, what is the history of this? Why is, is he, and it is always a he, why it's so popular? What is the, the appeal really of this figure? And um, so the more deeply I read, what I saw, it was very interesting to me, was that there is, this is not a, a colonial, uh, this, this phenomenon of the bandit does not begin with the colonial period. Um, pre-colonial, it, it goes back maybe to the, at least to the early modern period, 14th, 15th century. There are legal codexes in Arabic, um, for example, that talk about banditry as a problem. Um, and there's folkloric sources as well. So that it would be completely inaccurate to say that this begins with colonial rule. But what's really important, and this is the big paradox for me, was that this figure, when when he appears in pre-colonial sources, he is vilified. And he is not um, a hero at all. This is someone who is to be punished because he violates social norms. And so there is no space for glorification. Um, and then slowly, especially with the late Zara's period, you have this figure, Zelim Han, uh, who is probably the most famous abrek. Um, and whenever reports